If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of Lutheran Public Radio Choir with the Christmas hymn, Let All Together Praise Our God. We'll be singing that as we begin the Christmas season. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this third day of Christmas, December the 27th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. In the first hour, we'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the first Sunday after Christmas, the gospel reading in Luke 2, Jesus is presented at the temple. Pastor Sean Denzer will be our guest Then in the next hour, we'll study the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever will be our guest. Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Sean, welcome. Merry Christmas. We talk about a Christmas season. We also discuss a Christmas octave and Christmas tide. What's an octave and a tide? Yeah, good question. So we... uh talk about these Sundays that fall all in the mix. And, you know, we're going to church on Christmas, we're going to church on New Year's, and maybe it gets a little confusing on which day of the week it is, plus it's vacation anyway. An octave is a whole eight days. You can hear the word oct in it, right? The eight days that constitute one Sunday or one feast day on to the next day of the week. So if you go from Sunday to Sunday, that's eight days inclusively. That's an octave. An octave in the church's reckoning usually is governed by whatever comes at the beginning. So uh, if we're in the octave of Christmas, that means that we're within eight days after Christmas, and it's still Christmas for sure. A tide is very similar. A tide technically follows a feast, which then defines the days or even weeks that come after it. So Eastertide lasts for 50 days, a number of weeks. Christmastide lasts at least until Epiphany. Sometimes you'll find it, in fact, in one of our hymns, Advent Tide, a bit of a a technical, not a correct way to say it, but it still captures the idea of a season uh, surrounding one theme or one day, or in that case, a whole idea of Christ's coming. So really, we are still right now basking in all of the glow of Christmas, and that's the way it ought to be. We ought to be singing our Christmas hymns still. And Christmas tide is short by the standard of most seasons. Even Advent lasts for four weeks. But uh, in a way, Christmas gets a longer octave. We stretch it out to 12 days, as we're all familiar with from the song, which leads up to or ends with, depending on how you want to figure it, Epiphany which is considered the uh, Christmas for the Gentiles. So that's where we're living here in these 12 days. We really then ought to look forward to even more Christmas as we come to church on this Sunday. Our gospel is going to go on somewhat chronologically between Christmas and Epiphany. We're going to be 40 days after Christmas. It's not 
quite chronological between Christmas and New Year's, the circumcision of our Lord. That's only eight days after, but that's all right. The focus is much more on the meaning and the purpose of Christ's birth today. So our epistle is going to bring this out very clearly when we get to hear Paul's nativity, very brief, from Galatians, where he talks about the birth of Christ. He doesn't tell us any of the details about any animals or about how the birth happened or about where they had to travel, but he speaks always in service to the theological significance of Jesus' birth, that he redeems us, that he makes us his children and heirs of God and his kingdom. So today's going to unfold Christmas for us in that sense, and it's going to set the whole mission of Christ's life out before us. So what are the connecting themes we have to look for in this coming Sunday? Sight, revelation, to us. So there's this old antiphon for Christmas, Hodie, a parawit. Today, our Savior has appeared. It's actually a quote, kind of from what we have in our epistle today. Well, okay, it's not Christmas Day, but we're still in the region of it. So we're going to be thinking about the Lord's appearance, the Messiah's appearance among his own today. Uh, and especially, we're going to see that he's not only revealed to Israel, but also to the Gentiles. So we're going to have a lot of hints at what is to come. We're going to get that from Simeon in today's reading, where he's going to be this figure representative of old, patient, faithful, waiting Israel. And yet he's going to mention that he's not only the glory of his own people, but also the light that will enlighten the Gentiles. And you'll find even more Gentile references in all of the songs and psalms that surround the gospel reading today. Speaking of that, the intro is a combination of some Psalm 98 with Isaiah 52.10. Yeah, we know Psalm 98. We heard that on Christmas, sing to the Lord a new song. We'll get a little more of it then, but now with Isaiah 52 casting it. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Well, so we've heard bits and pieces of this many times already. I mean, it's all over in the Old Testament. And this is no exception. We've heard the great Handel chorus, right? All flesh shall see our God, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now we bring in from Isaiah 52 also the mention of the holy arm of the Lord doing his work. Well, the holy arm is Jesus. We heard a little bit about that back in Advent in Psalm 80. Here it is again, that Jesus has arisen. The holy arm is a a, a wonderful little analogy since uh, we're considering the incarnation of Christ, that he has now come in our flesh. This is the way that the Lord has appeared to do his work, uh, to come as a little child. And we have mixed in with here not only the Lord and his people, remembering his steadfast love and faithfulness as he promised to the house of Israel, but now also in the sight of all nations, all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation, that is, the Jesus of our God. And I don't want to lose sight of that very first verse from Psalm 98, because it mentions a new song that we sing. Maybe that's the Christmas songs that are on our minds, but maybe we're wondering if, I mean, most of our favorite Christmas songs are not new at all. They're probably very old. They're probably familiar and beloved to us because we sang them as children, 
So what does this mean? Well, the new song in the scriptures is always the song of what Christ has done. It's always the song that is defined by this characteristic. It's speaking about Jesus' works. Think about the prophecies that we heard in Advent. There was at least one that says, you've heard it said, no more will they say, as the Lord lives, who did such and such, brought the children out of Egypt, etc. But as the Lord lives, who gathered everybody from all the places. In a true sense now in the New Testament, now that Christ has come in the flesh, now that he suffered and died and risen again and has ascended, our song is perpetually and continually new concerning him, concerning this child, concerning the Savior, Jesus Christ. So now, as the Lord lives, indeed, he is risen from the dead, indeed, he is present in our flesh, as the Lord lives, we give thanks to the one who has redeemed us, Christ Jesus. That's our new song. doesn't matter if the tune is old or new to you. If it's about Jesus Christ, it's about the new thing, the New Testament in his blood, and it's about what eternally renews and recreates us daily by his word. What is the collect? The collect reads, Our God, our maker and redeemer, you wonderfully created us, and in the incarnation of your Son, yet more wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In this collect, all of humanity is before us. We go back not just to the question of Jew or Gentile, but all the way back to creation, where at least from that connection we can say all of us are children, are creations of our God. In this gospel, then, when we get to it, we're going to see that we have a baby. We're going to see this baby brought to the temple. He's going to be there not only as the youngest of people, I suppose, but also together with the oldest of people, with Simeon and Anna and Mary and Joseph in between at middle age. We have also the promise of death juxtaposed with new life when Jesus is presented to Simeon. Well, this collect is going to highlight that. It's going to highlight the incarnation, the being present in the flesh, in this world, in the stuff of creation, not only as an exchange, but also as a restoration. So Jesus now is going to enter into his creation. He's going to come to redeem us. And as one of the old church fathers said, the only things that the Lord can redeem are what he takes up and assumes himself. So he doesn't become a donkey to save donkeys. He doesn't become an angel to save angels. He becomes a man to save all of humanity. So this is the exchange then that goes on. He takes on our flesh and gives us his kingdom, his life, his righteousness, in fact. So while the text, especially our epistle, are going to point us to how Christ trades places with us, right? He gives us his honor, bears our shame and sin instead. This is going to be laid always in the scriptures alongside the way that he joins himself to us, not to make an exchange and walk away, but to be connected with us. And that's when he makes this exchange. So we were created. Now he comes to redeem us. So also as he is, we wish to become, that is, alive both in resurrection at the last day, but also in daily new life every day until then. That's what this collect really says. So we ask that you would restore our humanity and that you would make us alive, not only that we would pass through death unscathed, but also that we would be alive with all of the righteousness and good works and holiness that the Lord himself has and now gives to us. We are looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the first Sunday after Christmas, Pastor Sean Denzer Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is our guest. We'll get into the Old Testament reading 
in Isaiah 61 and 62 next. Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, LutheranPublicRadio.org. This Christmas season, we come together to celebrate the birth of hope, a light that shines in the darkness. Just as the stars above, may the spirit of love, joy, and giving illuminate our hearts. In the spirit of the season, may you find peace, share blessings, and rejoice in the true meaning of Christmas. From all of us at Lutheran Church Extension Fund, Merry Christmas! Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memorial Press's award-winning curriculum is used by homeschoolers all over the world. Their classical Christian education materials provide everything you need for kindergarten through 12th grade, including books, guides, lesson plans, and instructional videos. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com Christological My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are looking forward to Sunday morning. According to the three-year lectionary, Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Looking forward to the first Sunday after Christmas. We come to the Old Testament reading in Isaiah 61, verse 10 through 62, 3. 
I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Well, sound familiar? We actually heard the first two verses of this back in Advent 3 of year B. But we're building on this now, and that's kind of a clever way, I think, of revealing even more, which we'll see is definitely the theme for this week of revealing uh, the Lord in our sight. So now we're going to unfold a little bit more of what we heard. So now that the shepherds have told and seen everything that they saw and they heard on Christmas, so we also will not keep silent until the righteousness and salvation of God comes to fruition. That means we're going to continue to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, both speaking about his death and his resurrection. As we're following along in his ministry, we're going to continue to sing this sort of a psalm all the way up until Holy Week and Easter. But also we're going to keep proclaiming this in every facet of life until all flesh sees it together at the last day. In this text, then, the nations also are going to see it, which certainly points us ahead to the end of the 12 days of Christmas, Epiphany itself. It's very interesting, as we've seen elsewhere, the Lord's prophecies concerning Israel's restoration are so often to set them up to be viewed by others for the purposes of drawing the Gentiles to them. It's often a little ambiguous in the words of the prophets, whether this seems to be a jealousy matter, that the Gentiles will look at Israel and say, man, they have great success. The Lord has done great things for them, as the psalm says. I wonder if we could be connected with them in some way, or I wish we were like them. Or whether it's simply to be arrogant, right? To show, look, Israel's better. They've got the true God. The Gentiles have to come cringing, as one of the Psalms also says. This all gets clarified with the advent of Christ Jesus, that he comes first for the Jew, but then for the Gentile. In fact, he comes to his own. They do not receive him, as we heard on Christmas Day. But to everyone who does receive him, surprisingly all of these Gentiles as well, he becomes the light that enlightens them, that no darkness can overcome. We see that continuing then in today's Old Testament reading of a great foreshadowing of everything yet to come in Christ's ministry and in the ministry of the church that goes to all nations. The psalm for this coming Sunday, Psalm 111. I'll praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food to those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. 
The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Well, two points are very clear in this portion of the Psalms from 111. The first is that the Lord is faithful, that he is righteous, that he is merciful in all his works that are being extolled. The second is that he lifts up his people, again, in order to draw the nations to them. Verse 9 is our antiphon, and it really is the significant one. I'll read it again. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. So what is the redemption that he has sent to his own people? It is Christ Jesus himself. And this is to to make his name revealed holy and awesome to everyone. There's a way in which we can always talk about how great God is, how good he is, how awesome he is, and these phrases and terms remain very generic or unclear. But in Christ Jesus, it becomes crystal clear. We see that his salvation is in a man. We see that his salvation is by being an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. We see that everyone who trusts in his words has eternal life. So this psalm really has all the clarity that it could possibly need by putting it next to Christ Jesus in his ministry. You call the epistle reading for this coming Sunday, Galatians 4, beginning at verse 4, Paul's nativity. Yeah, I think it's one of the few places where he speaks kind of about the birth, for a simplified term, the nativity of Jesus. And it's very brief, but it's also very pointed to the direction that Paul wants. Listen, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is beautiful. Paul's not long-winded. He has no time for animals or barns, but he's very powerful with these words to pack a lot of theology into a small little section of just a couple verses here. Just the last portion of the traditional Sunday after a Christmas epistle. So we've really zoomed in on just the part that is connected with Christmas to focus our attention. First of all, he says that this all happens in the fullness of time, at just the right time, we might say, at the Lord's proper time. Why is it called this way? Well, certainly it is momentous that this is when all of the many plans, everything we heard in the Old Testament reading in the psalm have now come to fruition. That makes it a a heavy moment, you might say. Many have observed that from the human perspective even, this is in the middle of the the peace of Rome, which allows a certain amount of uh, uh, travel and movement, especially so that the gospel can go out to all of the Greek-speaking and Latin-speaking areas of the empire. But what is most significant about the peace of Rome is nothing to do with Rome, but it has to do with this baby born in the backwater place of Bethlehem. The next phrase is, God sent forth his son born of a woman. 
This is a remarkable saying, but it harkens right back to the prophecies of the Old Testament, specifically the one right there in Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of the woman, already a somewhat different way of saying it that you usually would, the seed of the woman is the one who's going to crush the serpent's head. Everybody knows that you name boys after their father, that they look up to their dad, that you even take the family name from dad. This was common also in the time of the scriptures. But here, it's emphasizing again, why the woman? Well, because Mary is a virgin, because this is the prophecy of Isaiah 7, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son. This is not any old child born of the will of man or the will of the flesh, as John said, but this is the one born of God, his son, born of a woman, fulfilling all of those Old Testament prophecies, and born under the law in order to redeem those under the law. So that means both that he's born under the Torah, under the commandments and covenants of the people of Israel. He is a Jew. But also it means he's simply born as a creature, subject to all of it that he would normally be over as the one who gave the law, whether that's the laws of nature, that is all of those things, his word that is written into creation, or the specific word that was given by oracles to the people of the Old Testament. Jesus is the lawgiver. He's the one who speaks it. He's the one who can change it. He's the one who can put it into effect, and he comes and submits himself to it. Not for his own sake. He doesn't need to do this, but he does it for our sake. This then is a a very important exchange that he comes under the law, born into our condition with all of its requirements, which go unfulfilled by our sinful lives in order to redeem, to buy back, to purchase us as his own so that we can be sons. This is a beautiful image that is given of an exchange again, that we are no longer slaves, but we have become the sons of God, that God gives his son into the flesh under the condemnation of the law in order to buy back these miserable, rebellious people to be his own sons. And what's the significance of a son? The son inherits. And therefore, we are firstborn sons together with Jesus. We are those who inherit with him the Lord's blessings. So this is what Lutherans often like to speak of as a great exchange, that we have nothing but our sins to offer God. We are not earning our way into his good graces, but his grace comes and gives to sinners who don't deserve it every good gift and benefit that he has, eternal life, resurrection from the dead, his kingdom and a place with him for all eternity. So we're going to focus on that here and a little more also when we get to our hymns for the day. We will get into the gradual and verse leading up to the gospel in Luke chapter 2 for the first Sunday after Christmas as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Church music directors can find a new community at Prelude to Postlude, the CPH Music blog. Learn helpful tips for managing music ministry and involving members, and meet the composers of some of your favorite new pieces. Plus, find suggestions of music to use for special services, and preview some of our newest works with free samples you can use at your church. Visit us at prelude to postlude.org. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. We're Mount Calvary Lutheran Church of the Missouri Synod, located in Brady, the heart of Texas, the closest city to the center of our great state. We're a confessional, traditional, liturgical, sacramental, faithful congregation. We welcome you to Sunday school, Bible study, and divine service with every Sunday communion. You'll find us on the west side of town on Highway 87, next to the Brady Civic Center Golf Course and Cemetery. Mount Calvary Lutheran Church, Brady, Texas, where Christ is at the heart. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Ben Mays of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Here's what Martin Luther says about the pastoral office. My pastor is practicing the virtue that increases God's kingdom, fills heaven with saints, plunders hell, robs the devil, wards off death, represses sin, preserves peace and unity, and plants all kinds of virtue in the people. In a word, he is making a new world. He builds not a poor temporary house, but an eternal and beautiful paradise in which God himself is glad to dwell. We are calling good men to step up. Come to Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary. Sean, what are the gradual and verse for this coming Sunday? To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. This gradual is also the traditional Christmas intro. This, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. With that psalm, sing to the Lord a new song, a reprise of Psalm 98 that we heard already. It's a prophecy of Christ that I think is well known, probably because of Handel's Messiah. 
with all of his wonderful names, that he's the governor, that he's a wonderful counselor, that he's a mighty God, an everlasting father. They're speaking about his divinity, of course, and that he is the prince of peace, thinking of all that the angels announced. So we're going to live on under his rule for a little bit longer. Surprising maybe to talk about him as a king, but this is our great delight, right? To acknowledge all of the wonderful kind of backwards, ironic realities that must be acknowledged because of the incarnation, not least of which is that the king of the universe lies helpless as a little baby in a manger and at his mother's lap. Also, the new song again must be heard. So if we're going to speak about the one who has come, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law who's made us sons, we're going to sing and rejoice in this with our new song. The Alleluia adds to it, my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Kind of a a boiled down version of the Nunc Dimittis, St. Simeon's song. But emphasizing again that theme that we've seen run throughout the whole day, that we have seen his salvation, or you could translate it, seen Jesus, and he is a light for the Gentiles and also a glory of his own people. So we have in view not only the ancient people of Israel, but also the Lord's mission to those who need to be enlightened, who need to be brought to him. The Gospel reading, Luke 2, beginning at verse 22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town in Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Nunc Dimittis is something we're going to hear later, Simeon's great prophecy and the fulfillment of what the Holy Spirit had told him. We'll hear that again 
on the Feast of the Purification or the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus, also called Candlemas. That's literally 40 days from Christmas. We have that expanded into our reading. The traditional reading for this Sunday is just the last part where he gives the prophecy about the sword for Mary, about his rising and falling, and to focus in on Anna and the growing of Jesus. So we get to kind of have the whole temple event today. Helpful to see the connection also to our epistle, which spoke about him coming under the law. Here we see them in the temple for that purpose, to fulfill the law of Moses, what is required. Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary. Originally, all of the firstborn were to belong to the Lord. They had to be redeemed back from God because he owned them, right? The angel of death came to destroy all of the firstborn of men and beast, Egyptian or Israelite, except the Lord by the blood on the door frames had spared the lives of those firstborn Israelites. Therefore, they belong to him in a sense, and the people recognized this by making the sacrifice. Also, they were to be the priests. Later, it was limited to the tribe of Levi. So we see Jesus coming in that role, which is very rich with meaning already. We also see, though, that they have to offer the lesser of the two sacrifices, not a bull or a goat, but just a pair of birds. That gives us some indication, it's probably the chief indication, that Mary and Joseph were not well off, but were poor. So they come to fulfill this, but uh, something much greater is going on, and Simeon and Anna get to recognize this by the Holy Spirit's intercession, and they get to proclaim it to everybody. Oh, we could say so much about Simeon. This is well known, I think, to our listeners as well as to others, but he is really standing as a a kind of a, a summary figure of all of Israel. The impression given is that he is old, that he perhaps is uh, near death and is wondering why he's still here. Uh, And the Holy Spirit reveals it so that he can actually see the Lord's Christ before he dies. Uh, So upon seeing this child Jesus, when he recognizes by the Spirit's word that this is Jesus, he sings a great song. And his song, we now use at every divine service and especially at funerals, recognizing that Simeon dies probably shortly after this. But also, we sing it each night at Compline, that we would have the Lord's light preserving us, that we'd be prepared if we should die before we wake to be with the Lord forever. Maybe just to zoom in on one thing, we'll, we'll see hear more about the light when we get to that 40th day, uh, the Feast of the Purification. But here, it is beautiful that Simeon says, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. The Lord prepares this child in the midst of everything, in the midst of a busy world, but then he reveals him by the word of God. This is how Simeon knows. This is also how we are to know. This is how the light of God goes out and and spreads his glory both to his own people, but also to welcome in the Gentiles. It's through the word of God and the proclamation of what he does. So then, Simeon takes up after his famous song, something we don't know as well maybe, this prophecy about Christ. What does he say? He says he's appointed for the rising and the fall of many in Israel. That means he will put some up and put some down. Notice he's going to be a sign that is opposed, not just universally accepted. Already then, we have what John's gospel told us on Christmas Day, that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. 
And there's something added uh, in our Bibles. It comes in parentheses, but a little side note to Mary that a sword is going to pierce her soul also. What could that possibly mean that Mary is going to face trouble? I think it means a message about how this child is going to raise some up and put others low, how and why he is going to be opposed. It's going to be because his, his work is through the cross, that he is going to come and die, be that atoning sacrifice who is the Lord himself for the sake of his people. And that will not be pleasant for Mary, that she is not going to be able to hold on to him, I suppose, as every mother wishes they could hold on to a son, but in particular that her son is destined for this cursed death. And yet through that, of course, he's going to redeem the world. And that he's going to, in fact, reveal the thoughts of many hearts. We get to hear two very positive hearts revealed today. We get to hear Simeon and we get to hear Anna proclaim their faith in Christ. We're also going to see the darkness of the heart of men revealed throughout the Gospels. So all of that is then laid out ahead of us uh, to watch as we see the child grow. Let's take a moment to look at Anna Uh, This is the only time we hear about her in the Bible, but it is a beautiful little story. She seems to be somebody who has been widowed for a long time and has been devoted now uh, to the Lord, hanging around the temple, fasting and praying. But she's given a, a special phrase in the same way that Simeon did. Notice, Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel, and Anna is waiting for the redemption of Israel, and she's speaking to all those around her who also are waiting for that redemption, the consolation and the redemption. This is what Christ is coming to give, and she is expecting it and awaiting it and is glad now to see it come, even in this baby. I'm reminded of a great hymn. Bach uses it in his Christmas oratorio, and it's written by Johann Rist, where it says, This child, though weak in infancy, our trust and our confidence will be the power of Satan breaking, our peace with God now making. It's expressing the idea that, okay, this doesn't look like much. It's just a little baby at the beginning of his life. But he's already on the move. He's already building up to his great salvation that he's going to accomplish. And Simeon and Anna kind of see it all accomplished already. They can die in peace knowing that this child is here. He's going to accomplish it after they're dead. But That doesn't matter. They're confident that it's going to happen. They get a chance to see this and seeing him really as a promise that they won't see fulfilled. That's enough. They're epitomized, that whole list of saints that's there in Hebrews 11. And I I suppose to consider Anna in particular, if Simeon is the epitome and the figure of a pious remnant of Israel, son of Israel awaiting the Savior, she's then the bride. She's been widowed. uh, She hasn't been remarried. But he is the faithful priest and prophet and patriarch. And uh, they're both awaiting the redemption and the expectation of consolation from their Savior, the Messiah. The last little part is just kind of a signal marker that there's going to be some missing parts, I guess. Yeah, we all wish we had the stories of Jesus' childhood and growing up and what was it like to have him as a teenager in the house. We don't get any of those things. But we see that he is faithful as a Jew. We see that he is already being actively righteous, fulfilling all the requirements that are placed on him as a human being, even though he as God is above all these things. But he grows and becomes strong and is filled with wisdom. That much is very much the way it's spoken of also of John the Baptist but the favor of God is upon him. 
This is very similar to saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this and to do that, that the Lord is already with him, that he is growing just as any old child would, but already he is doing it also as the Savior of the world and as true God in our flesh. Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. As we look forward to Sunday morning, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the hymns for the first Sunday after Christmas. Stay tuned. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. All theology is Christology. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. The Substitute Organist Service has been a great blessing for our worship life here at Christ the King Lutheran in Riverview, Florida. Pastor Kevin Yoakum on the Substitute Organist Service. Now our organ plays rich liturgical music every single Sunday, and it's very affordable. You pick the hymns, you pick the liturgies. It's very simple. Just know when to push play. You can find out more about the Substitute Organist Service at churchmusicsolutions.com, churchmusicsolutions.com. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc. 
The Lutheran Public Radio Choir with the hymn Joy to the World. It's from a new recording of 15 Christmas and Epiphany Hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. For a year-end gift of $250 or more, we'll send you this new recording and our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity. You can make a secure online gift at issuesetc.org. You can also make a financial contribution by check. Make your check payable to Issues, etc., and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the Christmas season, with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Sean, what would you say about some of the hymns we'll be singing this coming Sunday? Well, the hymn of the day for the first Sunday after Christmas is in Lutheran Service Book 389, Let All Together Praise Our God. This is a super popular hymn in Germany. It may not be quite as well known among us, but the tune is very lively. Uh, It has a little refrain that's repeated, uh, which is good for children. And it helps to, let's tackle it, okay? We always have the fights on what hymns to sing Christmas Eve versus Christmas Day. Can't sing, uh, O Come All Ye Faithful, Born This Happy Morning on Christmas Eve. I suppose you can. But this one is another one that says, Today He Opens Heaven Again. He opens paradise. Well, this isn't the day he was born, right? I think it's important for us to realize that these hymns that call out today are rejoicing, obviously, in Christmas. But this is the advantage of having a whole octave, a whole season, a whole 12 days of Christmas, is to recognize that the event has a significance that goes well beyond that moment. And that really is the case for our Lord's actions. This is what faith grasps a hold of. It's not just that we're learning some uh, facts of history. George Washington was the first president. Columbus sailed in this year, and Jesus was born and died, etc. But what has he done for us? Because there's an ongoing effect that continues. So today he opens heaven again. Heaven is still open today because of his birth, because of what God has done, giving us his own son. This tells a little bit of the story, right? He leaves his father's home. But most of all, this hymn is a beautiful expression of that great exchange that God gives his son in order to gain us back as sons, in order that we wouldn't perish, but that we would have eternal life, that we mortals, sinners who deserve death ought to receive instead, not what we deserve, but what his favor and grace gives us, life, salvation, eternity, his kingdom. Stanza three, he hides his all-creating light in an earthborn frame. Why? To serve us, to be humble. Even though he is the splendor of Almighty God, he comes humbly in order to save us. Leading up to stanza four then, he undertakes a great exchange. He puts on our human frame and in return gives us his realm, his glory, his name. Everything is given to us. And connected with that, then, a theme maybe we don't speak of quite as often, but that 
heaven is open, that he is the key that unlocks paradise, that everything that creation had given us that had been damaged by sin is now restored in Christ Jesus, very much what our colic says today. I'd like to speak about one other hymn, if I may, also. Hopefully you got to sing it here coming up for New Year's and for the circumcision of our Lord. But uh, it's perfectly fine to sing it here as well. And that's in Lutheran Service Book 897, O Rejoice Ye Christians Loudly. It's a great hymn of joy. It mentions also this exchange that he comes and chooses weakness and poverty in his love. He doesn't refuse the crib at Christmas time. He doesn't refuse the cross and Holy Week, but he suffers all of it in order to redeem us. Absolutely what our epistle for today had said. What then should we say about this? Well, I want to acknowledge this salvation. I want to believe in it. I don't want to take it lightly, but I want to cling to Christ at all times and have that comfort not only on Christmas Day, but all year round. And on the basis of this, then, this hymn in its last stanza prays that the whole church would be guarded, that we would be filled with his grace throughout the year, uh, that our prayers would be heard, that faith would not fall into disuse or disbelief, but that all Christians would have holy peace and a whole glad new year. And then it has that great refrain, joy beyond all gladness that Christ, our son of grace, has done away with all sadness. How would you summarize the message of this first Sunday of the Christmas season? Our Lord comes as a tiny little baby. It seems like Christmas is far off in the distance in the hinterlands, and it's a small event that doesn't seem to make the big news that we would expect. But for those who have faith, for those who've been waiting for the prophecies of Christ Jesus, for those who hear his word— This is one of the great moments in all of history. It's worth actually defining our calendar by, as is still the custom in the Western Church and in the Western world, as it should be. Our Lord himself has appeared in our flesh in order to redeem us. So even though we consider Christ as he was as a little child at this time of year, we should realize this is the very same Lord who comes to redeem us by his death and his resurrection. We should realize that his coming, which is now complete, is our salvation and is cause for rejoicing and singing for at least a few more days here in the 12 days of Christmas. Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Sean, as usual, thank you very much. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. After the break, Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever will lead us in a study of the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. You're connected to issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.
Hi, this is Pastor Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church of Mascuda, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion is a congregation firmly grounded in God's grace given in the Word and Sacraments where we treasure the timeless beauty of the liturgy. Zion is also a vibrant, young, family-friendly congregation where you would be warmly welcomed. Zion is located at 101 South Railway Street in Mascuda, Illinois, and we would love to share God's gifts of grace with you. For more information, please visit our website at zionmascuda.com. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Lutheran talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. How can conspiracy theories become a form of idolatry? I've written a column for the latest issues, etc., a journal titled, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, a pastoral response to conspiracy theories. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Julie Stegemeyer writes about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Do you dread going to work out? Performance Fitness in Edwardsville offers a fun, supportive, tight-knit community and environment. Visit them on the web at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. 618-692-5063 or performancefitness618.com. Performance Fitness of Edwardsville. <laughs> 